Oh, with Scott Ritchie on vacation on a beach somewhere, we brought in the heavy hitter, Jeff D'Alessio, editor of the News Gazette for this week's podcast, Inside the Line of Basketball. Guess what? He used to be the basketball beat writer when Lon Kruger was coach, and he had a, apparently a big TV. Big TV? Um, you want me to tell this story? No. Yeah, okay. You'll hear about it next. <laughs> Come back and uh, get the scoop from Jeff D'Alessio after these messages. Hi, I'm Paul Rudy, CEO of Rudy Wealth Management and host of Paul Rudy's On The Money Radio Show. Every successful investor I've ever met continuously acted on a plan. Every failed investor I've ever met was constantly reacting to current events. If the recent market turmoil is keeping you up at night, maybe it's time you begin to make your investment and spending decisions based upon a retirement income plan. Perhaps it's time for you to listen to the little voice in your head telling you to call Rudy Wealth Management. You'll be happy you did. Rudy Wealth Management, Central Illinois Retirement Specialist, 356-1400. Good Monday morning, everyone. I start that with a question mark because this is this is Jim Russell, Vice President of News. We have an unusual podcast set up here today, and Ed Bond it, it got the best of our producer, who's struggled. You've struggled today, Ed. All right, but Jeff D'Alessio's appearance in the Inside Atlanta Basketball Podcast booth must have shook things up. Yeah, that's on me. I, <laughs> that's the point. That's the voice of Jeff D'Alessio, who is filling in admirably this week for a vacationing Scott Ritchie. Uh, Ritchie is on a beach somewhere in Florida. Um, I'm told nude sunbathing <laughs> now. That the Redneck Riviera, he said. <laughs> <laughs> he is taking some well-deserved time off. I think the transfer portal got the best of Ritchie. He's been exhausted. He's been uh, uh, reporting day and night. Uh, he's sick of it, he said, so he went down to Florida. So Jeff D'Alessio, the editor of the News Gazette, editor of the seven-time Illinois Press Association Newspaper of the Year. What other accolades, Junior? Editor and publisher, 10 newspapers that that do it right. Yeah. Uh, uh, editor of the Year, the reigning editor of the year, <laughs> which led to what, groupies? Uh, no, did not, uh, uh, if my in-laws are listening to Living Champagne. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're lucky to have, uh, we call him Junior, and that was his nickname when he covered Illinois basketball. That's what is what got him into this podcast booth. This is his second guest appearance. Do you know why that nickname came out? Junior, no. Uh, uh, Steve Wakehazer, the old oh, yeah. uh, basketball recruiting guru who had some issues uh, off the court, um, uh, called me Junior Sideshow because I was taking it was filling in for lauren or was replacing lauren i guess okay. as the beat writer and uh i was apparently junior side show that's how huh and it's stuck here anyway no one All else right. calls me that All but right. um happy to be known as the 52 year old junior how about that the <laughs> as a great point you brought up you were the first beat writer in illinois uh, in news gazette history after lauren Yep, I remember you uh, took me to a uh, fine dining at uh, Steak and Shake, uh, which was uh, new at the time, uh, off the Cunningham Road exit in Urbana, and broke the news that you wanted me to make the jump from um, covering high schools, which I actually liked. Uh, I covered the Big 12, which back then was Central Centennial Urbana ran tool around here um, in Danville, uh, and uh, uh, was happy to be promoted. It uh, kind of synced with... 
uh, Lou Henson's retirement or stepping away, I guess, yeah. for a few years. And Lauren's, what do you call that? Was There wasn't really a retirement. Uh, has he retired? He officially retired, uh, but uh, then we hired him as a contractor ever since then. He's the uh, exhibit A of that. Uh, his definition of retired is being tired twice. Uh, <laughs> never actually retires. <laughs> kind of like a great boxer. Lauren, that was uh, 1996, I do believe. 96, when, uh, yep. I can still remember, and Ed Mon remembers this, we got the call from uh, Lauren Tate on a Saturday morning. Uh, much like the Steak and Shake memory, I was at the Philo Tavern, or headed that way, on Saturday morning. Well, <laughs> maybe <Long> a night. <laughs> <laughs> I was still at the Philo Tavern when Lauren called and says, "Hey, uh, Lou Henson's going to announce his retirement after the game. What do we do?" Oh my lord! Uh, and uh, I would love to look at that paper in 1996, that early March paper. I think it was against uh, Iowa, was it? Yeah, and we sent the. Uh, I remember I went to that game, and yeah. it was the first time I'd ever been to an Illinois basketball game. It was Lou's last game at Assembly Hall, and they ended up playing. Alabama that year, right? Yeah, the NIT, okay. right, right. Um, but I do remember it was kind of the worst-kept secret, you know. Right. We knew um, pre-social media, so really no way to, you know, short of putting out an extra edition um, to let people know about it other than the radio, of course. Isn't that crazy to think of a time when there was no social media? Lou Henson, had he had tried to retire back then like today? It, you think it would have got out? You actually had to listen to the post-game radio show to hear him spill the beans. Was that when? Was it after the game that they said? Okay, yeah, oh, wow. that's crazy. Anyway, uh, so uh, Jeff Delezio started his uh, beat with Lon Kruger. I did almost Kelvin Sampson apparently. Who I never actually ran that thing. So Kelvin Sampson, um, who uh, not a not someone that Illinois fans are fond of, I'm sure. Uh, almost became your coach, according to Calvin Sampson, who uh, a couple weeks ago during the tournament confirmed that he had indeed uh, uh, agreed to meet with then-athletic director Ron Gunther at a hotel in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And he was the Oklahoma coach at the time. And word got out that they were meeting, and he pulled out before because he didn't want to ruffle feathers in Oklahoma. So that really never went anywhere and i can't even remember this is one of those ones where bob osmussen used to do like the here's the 25 candidates that you could see as the next coach and i don't remember at what point kruger emerged if he was you know someone we knew early on you know self was like an obvious one right, right. he was clearly the hot coach that year um but i don't remember kruger being the the no-brainer he'd he'd come off a final four not that long before at you know a program that um, at the time might not have been considered Illinois level, but certainly uh, surpassed them within right. a couple of years with Billy Donovan, uh, and actually beat them uh, in the last game I covered as Illinois beat writer. Um, but uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was good to work with, and uh, for the most part, um, in the you know the thing that sticks out the most um especially compared to now is that i got to go to every practice yeah um and stay for the whole practice never got kicked out uh there were some times when you know i would yeah i certainly wasn't like diagramming plays in the paper the next day but there were some things i observed during practice that um, i'm sure he 
wished I wasn't there. Uh, Sergio McLean quit for about five minutes, I remember. Um, but uh, but it was good. It was a good team to work with. Um, a lot of really good talkers, good kids, uh, and really good access. I mean, I could talk to any player any day um, virtually, and uh, assistant coaches, head coaches. Uh, it was, it was you know, nothing like it is today. Feeling old uh, because they keep seeing in Sunday's News Gazette these birthdays. Uh, <laughs> that crew, the Lucas Johnson crew, is all turning 42 and 43 and 44. And Frank Williams has got a kid who's you know, right who just graduated. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Illinois basketball program uh, today is a little has a little more uh, power, I would say, than it did when they hired Lon Kruger. Uh, things have been uh, slumping just a tad under Coach Hanson. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly a national title game appearance since then. And uh, and a, now, you know, here lately, two first-team All-Americans, a one-seed, um, you know, not that long run in the tournament yet. But, uh, you know, certainly if you keep recruiting at that level, you think that that will come at some point soon. All right, Jeff Delasio, editor of the News Gazette with us. Uh, also editor of Sporting News mm-hmm. in between stops at the News Gazette. That's one of the reasons we lost him the first time. Uh, be interested to get your thoughts on Illinois as a national player. Uh, that's changed a little bit lately, but... Uh, yeah, so um, so I was uh, I, I left here in 2000 to go to Sporting News when it was in St. Louis as kind of just a worker bee. Um was there two years, and then after a couple stops, um, went back to Sporting News uh, as the editor um, when they got bought by uh, a group called American City Business Journals, uh, paid $39 million to, uh, to buy Sporting News from Paul Allen, who'd paid $100 million to buy it from another group um, uh, in, what, uh, eight years earlier. So... Um, so the value uh, decreased, <laughs> decreased considerably, um, and then uh, decreased even more when because uh, it's no longer a magazine. Um, but uh, it was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you know, heavy ACC country, and at the time, you know, obviously Duke and North Carolina were both good um, or both elite. Uh, Michigan State as well. Uh, Illinois, two thousand eight, would have been. Is it Weber? It's got to be Weber, right? So um, kind of a little bit on the downslide uh, and, uh, you know, not a huge national player, but certainly someone, you know, one of those programs that everyone always paid attention to, um, had a, you know, fertile recruiting ground here, didn't always get those guys, but um, but certainly had the potential to and, and was a finalist in a lot of cases, including for what the now Duke coach who's, played for Bruce Weber's brother in high school. Um, that's got to be the ultimate uh, zinger when you lose to Duke when you got the head coach's brother coaching him. Um, covered a lot of those, it seems like. Uh, uh, Corey Maggette being the first one I remember. Hmm. Finalist of Illinois and Duke. Right. And uh, came here, remember, is that uh, they did their first big like midnight, midnight Madness thing at Huff. And he was there, and the whole student body knew he was there, holding signs, and really kind of felt like Illinois had some momentum with that one um, after losing out on other guys, Larry Hughes being the big one. Uh, 
But anyway, an aside, um, and uh, and I think beat Duke for Jerry G, right? Uh, was one of those, and maybe Richard Keene as well. Uh, kind of random, um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, you know, paid attention to Illinois, uh, but probably paid a little bit more attention to Michigan State, uh, Indiana, uh, which at the time uh, had a new coach in Tom Crean, who uh, got off to a pretty good start. Didn't necessarily end well uh just ended up getting fired from uh the place i was two jobs ago the atlanta general constitution he was a georgia coach and things just went really off the rails there that that is if illinois program if illinois fans ever want to feel like you know at the at the depths of illinois basketball you're still like way better than georgia basketball um really one of those programs that's almost just irrelevant uh in a in an area that's dominated by college football. What in the name of Vern Fleming is going on? Yeah, it is. In you know, Georgia. in they, they, um, they've had they're the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, and just yep. no one goes to games. Uh, crummy arena. Um, you know, just absolutely bonkers over Georgia football, but um, basketball just never really stuck there, uh, and. Any fans that were interested in college basketball tended to gravitate toward Georgia Tech, which has had a much better program right in downtown Atlanta and uh, in a slew of you know NBA players over the years. All right, as your role with uh, Sporting News, who are some of the coaches that really ticked you off, Junior? That's what you I, know, I was trying to, to think of that. Um, um, you know, there's Bob Knight's always uh, top of any. He was not cooperative, of, is what oh, you're saying. Just, uh, you know, he just he's every bit as bad as you think he is. <laughs> um, uh, someone who I just uh, so he was the the story I lo- love to tell when I was during that really down year during the he had one bad year Kruger did um when they went like three and 13 in the big 10 it's the year they made the big run at the end or at the big 10 tournament in chicago uh i devoted that year so it would have been 89 to uh i'm sorry 99 uh to a like 36 part series on the 10-year anniversary of the flying line i talked to over 200 people including bob knight um, who called me back again? This is before email or anything like that. Basically, to point out that um, that Lon Kruger was winning with a bunch of uh, Lou Henson's players, so kind of wanted to slam um, uh, Lon Kruger while he was kind of appreciating the Flying Illini. Kruger ends up going, I think, six and two against. Uh, against Knight uh, at Indiana, so uh, got the better of him on the court, and uh, but but Knight always kind of took delight in um, kind of slamming people. Um, other coaches I didn't like. You know, I had a lot more that I did like than didn't. Um, uh, you know, Tom Izzo was always really good to work with. Just, you know, he'd be one of those guys that I think it is a beat writer's dream because they're both good, have access, and uh, he seems to get what, you know, what sports journalists do. Um, uh, Jamie Dixon at Pitt was, so Mike DeCourcy was my college basketball writer. Right. And he definitely has favorites, you know, favorites in that um, they feed him stuff. Uh so Jamie Dixon, Ben Howland, Tom Crean. Uh, ben Howland at the time was at UCLA and pretty good. Uh, 
and uh, you know Seth Greenberg is now at ESPN. Leonard Hamilton was another one, uh, and then you know the craziest one of the craziest things that ever happened to me during my time at Sporting News in terms of just the the wow access. I'll give you two actually. Did an all access behind the scenes photo essay um, at Nick Saban's house. Uh, gave us gave us the you know from noon to night and it included having a recruit over and it was his birthday and there was a birthday cake and just an amazing uh, opportunity. The second one that's college basketball goes back to John Calipari, who is the Kentucky coach back then, still the Kentucky coach, uh, and let us follow around a really good Kentucky team for the first two rounds of the tournament. They ended on a Sunday, and Sunday was our magazine deadline. So Mike DeCourcy was following him around, and after Kentucky won to go to the Sweet 16, Calipari sat there at a laptop and typed in captions for all of the photos <laughs> that ran in the photo <laughs> essay in Sporting News. And it was just one of those, like, really? You know, this is what he's going to take time for? Um, but very appreciative and one of those things that would I would imagine would never happen um, in today's college basketball our world of journalism has changed a ton since uh, since those days you know now schools um, have their own PR departments uh, the idea of inviting a magazine or an, uh, a publication to come in and uh, spend time seems crazy it does and I, you know, I wonder sometimes wonder what it, you know if it's like this everywhere. I don't have a great feel for, um, you know, how other programs are covered, but it certainly feels like that here, and also feels that way. Um, and I, I'm from Syracuse, so I kind of follow Syracuse basketball, and they're doing something similar. Um, uh, maybe not to the extent that Illinois does it with, you know, videos and high-res photo galleries, and an athletic director who tweets a lot. Um, but, you know, is kind of more along that line than the traditional, you know, old-school beat writer breaks news kind of thing. Yeah. have uh, Here's my question to you, Junior. Is, it, uh, is this a good thing or a bad thing? You look at the Illinois beat is in, uh, as much as it's changed in the last 20 years. You have basically one newspaper now that covers – the program and the rest are all these niche websites that tout recruiting and yeah i don't know i you know um one of the things that is kind of in flux right now is the just the model for news and you know several of the outlets that cover illinois including us you have to you know subscribe pay some kind of you know, online rate or get the paper at home. Um, and others don't. Um, I'd be surprised if a couple of years from now, everyone's not, everyone's doing the same thing. You know, I, I think, I think we're kind of trending more toward a world where if you want news, you're going to have to pay for it, um, online. Uh, and, and whether that I've always thought it would be interesting for kind of non-traditional partnerships like you could get you know time magazine usa today and you know three local newspapers for a certain rate because i don't know that everyone has the 
ability or you know desire to be paying for this outlet this outlet this outlet you know it just kind of feels like something needs to change there and you know that might be who knows that's that might be a model for for college basketball you know for for college coverage um we certainly don't want to you know align ourselves with the competition but um you know i i something's something's gonna have to change i would think because some of the one some of the non-traditional kind of websites that cover recruiting stuff at illinois can't possibly be bringing in a lot of revenue and um i would think that some of them would either kind of fizzle out or you know team up with another one and become a bigger player press row certainly looks different uh today uh, than it did yeah. in years past and then again you have uh i'm amazed at some of the the seats that are taken uh, yeah. by some of the folks that you might not consider right so remember the journalists in, in the old days in football especially old days meaning 20 years ago um there was a there's no matter where you went covering a game there was some kind of announcement on the PA or some some a sign in the press box that said no cheering in the press box and sometimes in football you know people get a little bit excited you'd hear you know Jim Turpin and Grabowski calling the game and they'd be yelling but that's a little bit different but for the most part people acted professionally didn't really have a stake in any of the you know they're obviously athletic department employees there who were you know, motivated to see Illinois win, but, you know, not the press. And I would say that there's no question that that's not the case today. Um, you know, some, some, you know, I don't want to sound like the curmudgeon, but some, uh, you know, so-called journalists will, are wearing orange shirts and, you know, and, and making no bones about their, you know, where their allegiances are and i'm not you know if that's what you want in coverage fine but i i think that the true fan of a college team especially kind of wants to some kind of balanced you know professional coverage and you know you don't want if you're going if if you're season ends like you know one of lovey smith's did or the worst of the john gross years you don't want to read just happy coverage all the time right you're mad you want to these are the people that call into the one of our best things we do the post-game radio shows after basketball and football invent and that's good you know that's what fans are supposed to do they're not supposed to just kind of be cheerleaders all the time so um i've never had a whole lot of respect admiration for fanboys on press row all right um uh, not only press row but uh inside the locker rooms changed a whole bunch um uh, just in the last year junior you can you keep up with the yeah the wildness of the transfer portal of the money getting paid to these players of uh of what used to be under the table now seems to be yeah. above the table and largely unregulated you know in the um Again, back when I was covering the crew years, I'm trying to think. So, Bryant Notre transferred out. Him and Kruger kind of never hit it off, um, uh, even though he's a you know great athlete and you know could be a pretty valuable player. Um, just was didn't fit kind of that Kruger mold. So transferred to UIC and ended up sitting out a year. I mean that's kind of how it worked. We had two guys. Um, I don't even know when this went away, but you know you had. 
uh, Frank Williams and Corey Bradford come to Illinois and sit out their first year because they didn't get the ACT score that you needed to to uh, become eligible. Marcus Griffin, another one, had to go to junior college, went to this the college that's about to close, Lincoln College, uh, for two years before he could play at Illinois. Um, and for the most part, you know, you uh, one of the last stories I did at Illinois, one of my favorite stories was Roger Powell. Uh, I spent a day with Roger Powell and Joliet, who was a sophomore, committed to Illinois and stuck with it. Brian Cook committed as a sophomore. Uh, Frank Williams as a junior after Sergio and Marcus Griffin. So it was a different world back then. Um, another guy I remember as a transfer was Avi. Remember Avi Story, yeah. who was a really, really good player. athlete. End up playing the NBA, end up being like a WNBA front office executive. Um, has had a really successful post playing career. Um, but he he came, I can't remember, he came, but I think he committed somewhere else and then he ended up going to Arizona State from Illinois. Um, but again, back then you needed to, if you wanted to transfer, you had to A, get approval from the school you were leaving because they would say, no, we're not going to let you go there. You know, if they were playing Arizona state next year or whatever it was, couldn't transfer within the conference and get a scholarship. And you had to sit out a year. Um, and now just even in the past year, I mean, you had the transfer portal before, but the idea that the athletic departments can now pay students up to $6,000 a year for getting for academic performance on top of the NIL money. And this is something that Illinois just announced last week they're going to do is, um, you know, it's just revolutionary in terms of how much the, the game is changing. Um, you could, you know, literally make hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, as a college athlete in you know, have a better financial situation than you could as a pro. Not in the NBA, obviously, but in some leagues. Illinois uh, competing, you think, in that regard? Yeah, it's hard to say because it's, you know, it's all kind of private. The The university has very little um, uh, say in or very little uh, role in in this deal between, you know, companies, businesses, um, hospitals, in some cases, uh, signing athletes to NIL, they, they can kind of go through the, the, um, regulations, make sure everything's in place, but it's a pretty short list in terms of the things that aren't allowed. You can't, um, I don't think you can do anything with firearms. I know you can't do anything with alcohol or drugs. Um, so it's not like, you know, the, the pot dispensary is going to be signing an Illinois player to a deal. But, you know, this kid that's transferring from Kansas State to Miami is getting $400,000 in a car. <laughs> like, really? It's just you can get a car, apparently, if if uh, if you're good enough. And this one's interesting to me to follow. That So Miami, University of Miami goes on this unexpected long run in the NCAA tournament. Um, with this, you know, very likable but very old coach who can't have can't have much tolerance for any of the stuff that's changing about college basketball, I wouldn't imagine. But they return most of their team, and then this one kid from Kansas State says, I want to come there because this Miami booster is going to give me all this money. Well, now the kids that are on the team are saying, what about us? And one of them announces, 
I'm going to put my name in the transfer portal if I don't get the same deal this guy gets. And, you know, you, this is these are the things that you could definitely see coming, uh, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of them. Um, but, you know, again, it's so – there's so few rules in different states allow different things, and it's, it's largely unregulated. The NCAA has no role in it, and um, – it feels like it, you know, has the makings of. It feels like something that's kind of long overdue in terms of getting players some compensation, but you know, there need to be some kind of guardrails, I think, before this thing careens out of control. Are right, are we headed to a time when uh, players maybe won't speak to the News Gazette because we're not paying them? Boy, I hope not. You know, I think that um, uh, uh, I'll give a shout out to the Line guys who uh, uh, we. I guess syndicate on Friday nights, uh, three hour show, really entertaining, good stuff. Um, and, uh, and they have a kind of weekly spot with DeMonte Williams. And I'm assuming that was sponsored, um, in some capacity. I'm not hundred percent sure of it. And I can't imagine it involved big money, but sure. You know, I mean, do you remember, um, when pro sports kind of changed with, Getty images when Getty was the only one that was allowed to photograph Barry Bonds like he wouldn't pose for pictures with anyone else it had to be Getty uh that didn't quite change you know the sports photojournalism world but it was a kind of a shocker at the time and you know again I can't imagine there's so much money out there that every player is going to get a deal and you're not going to be able to you know, talk to someone if you don't pony up, but who knows? I mean, I, I never would have thought we'd be in the position we are today either. Brad Underwood, what's your take? Um, uh, seems to, um, you know, recruit well. Um, I think the jury's still out as far as tournament coach, right? I mean, it's, uh, you had, you had a program with, uh, the first two first-team All-Americans, AP All-Americans in the history of Illinois basketball, and you have two NCAA tournament wins to show for it, uh, Drexel and a one-point win over Chattanooga. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I, that's that's me being removed from the program, certainly, but um, I have a couple brothers-in-law that are pretty big fans and, you know, weren't crazy about the losses to Loyola, which was, you know, they were never in it. Uh, and Houston, which, you know, was pretty one-sided too. Um, but, you know, certainly can't argue with the quality of player he's attracting, which, you know, is more reminiscent of the the great, you know, South teams and Kruger teams, or uh, not Kruger teams, <laughs> Henson teams. Um so you again, you would think that if you are able to attract that kind of player on a consistent basis, that the kind of wins would take care of themselves. What happens when uh, when Illinois wins it all here in Champaign Urbana? I just can't even imagine. You know, it's. Um, uh, I remember, you know, there's been some kind of cool scenes. I've been around. West Virginia and my first job was in West Virginia and West Virginia football like won the Sugar Bowl one year and they basically like burned down Morgantown <laughs> um, but you know it's a uh, lifetime contract you know um, it's uh, I don't know it's hard to it's hard to imagine that that scene but you know kind of feels like they're they could be on that track 
All right, Jeff D'Alessio, editor of the News Gazette. You determine what is on A1 every day. Do. Uh, Sometimes. Tell me where Illinois sports figures into your thinking. Oh, you know, I, I mean, I think it's hard in a in a town that is um, has this much much interest in college sports. Uh, I think that you know you have to have a presence, um, uh, especially you know for the big stuff, for the basketball stuff. Um, you know, for some of the alums who come back to town with regularity. Um, so have some readers that don't agree with that certainly, um, and that's their prerogative but i don't think you you know sports are a big part of what this community is at the high school level at the rec level and at the certainly at the college level and i think you know you know right i mean it it has to be out there in some form when when there's big news especially all right lon kruger was back in the area uh for the uh kicking cancer event and we uh, can't let you leave the podcast booth without story of Lon getting on you for writing about his oh man tv set back so, in the day <laughs> so what was it it was they there was a year when illinois went down to the sunday and it was michigan state and purdue were playing and they mm. needed one of them to win and it happened and he had the whole team over to his uh trails of Brittany um mansion that had everything but a moat around it um and uh at the press conference, I so in the paper that day, the next day after they clinched, I um, quoted a lot of players, and several of them remarked that he they couldn't believe how big this television set was that they watched it on. So I said something to the extent of, you know, they watched it on a screen as big as the one showing Titanic at Savoy 16. Titanic was out at the time. Um, and at the press conference the next day, he does his usual thing. Then he kind of pulls me aside and kind of out of the corner of his mouth, you couldn't even see. He's like one of those people with the puppets. You know, you couldn't even tell he was speaking. But he kind of gave me my, he said he didn't want to flaunt it and, you know, didn't appreciate the house being, you know, described like that. And I kind of said, well, that's kind of how the players said it. And it turns out, I think, after I left, he ended up selling the house for $999,000. So, um, you know. Uh, didn't come with the big TV set, I don't think, but uh, was certainly a uh, a grand uh, palace. Featured in our most uh, in a recent at home magazine, still has the uh, gym uh, as part of the uh, house, which remember, at that time was very cool. And yeah. I remember Matt Heldman used to go over there and shoot right. on off days. Um, the late Matt Heldman, um, but yeah, that was he was kind of a trendsetter, and it was a new development at the time. And I think it's been you know kind of filled in, but. Um, it was just he's built the biggest house you've ever seen, other than the the one in rural Muhammad, uh, the the Bruce Artwick house. Um, oh, I thought you were saying the one that Coach K. Oh yeah, was, the one that Coach was K looking was into that. In. That's right. I forgot about that. Right after he took Corey Maggette. All right, Jeff Delessio, uh, editor of the News Gazette. Appreciate you joining us, filling in for the um, the vacationing Scott Ritchie, who vows to be back next week. I'm not sure if I believe him. <laughs> Uh, you can read his stuff every morning, 6 a.m., com. Good morning, Alina Nation. Uh, Junior, before you leave real quick, uh, Illinois winning the Big Ten next year? Uh, basketball, right? Yeah. Uh, no, football. Yeah, basketball. Yeah, okay. I'm <laughs> making sure. Uh, I would say I'm going to go with a yes. Oh. Yeah. Um, I, the, I think the portal has been kind to them, and the you know certainly the the – 
late signees. Um, they have the maybe one more transfer, and they, I got to see what this Baylor transfer turns out to be. He seems to be kind of the great unknown. We had we had a really nice story on him over the weekend, um, but uh, you know, I remember <laughs> I remember you got on me one time because I did this really nice story about a new Illinois center. Fess Hawkins, uh, <laughs> who was the first of those like almost three hundred pound guys uh, that turned out to be not much of a player, but um, but it was a great talker, and I I played that up. So uh, I don't know, Jerry's still out, but I'm go- I'm go with the early yes. How about that? All right, we'll uh, read Jeff Delessio's stuff every day in the News Gazette. Well, not Mondays, but every other day. Uh, great stuff, Junior. Appreciate it. Thanks, we'll uh, talk to you next year. Okay.